0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. I'm so glad that you were able to join us here online tonight, and we're looking forward to opening up the Word of the Lord. And uh, I believe that God is wanting to minister to us tonight. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read a few verses there, and then also in Psalm 37. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to start at verse number 8. And tonight I want to share with you uh, what i call the five crowns of eternal reward Uh, i believe that there are opportunities that god is giving us that he wants to give us and uh, reward us with when we get to heaven so when i'm talking tonight i'm not talking about being lost uh, and missing out on heaven i'm talking about having gifts or crowns really rewards for what we do here on earth so i'm going to read from first corinthians chapter 3 verse number 8 it says now he that planteth and he that watereth are one and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor i'll say that again every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor for we are laborers together with god you are god's husbandry you are god's building According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundations can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So that last verse is key to understanding what I'm talking about tonight. This is not talking about losing your soul. This is talking about rewards, the extras, if you will. And some people have said, oh, all I need to be just as long as I can get to heaven. Well, that's wonderful and I, that, that's a good aspiration. but God through his scriptures is offering even greater reward and I believe there's at least five of them. I'm gonna, there are five crowns that I want to re- reference tonight. and uh, it, it's like, well yeah, I want I want to run the race, but it doesn't matter whether or not I win anything. Um, I, I think that God wants to reward us. Uh, Psalm 37:18 says this, The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. There is coming a day, and I believe we're, we're close to it, when we will all stand before God and our lives will be judged. And there's some people that think that, uh, believers, that think they're not going to face God's judgment because they've repented of their sins and they've received the forgiveness of God. They're born-again creatures and while that's partly true, believers will not face God's judgment when the book of life is open because we're born again by water and spirit, and, and so our names are in the book, and we're welcomed and received in the Lord's presence. But those na- And those names that are not in the book will be judged uh, as wicked. But there is a judgment of the believer that we have just read a few minutes ago. In our life, our work, our deeds, our actions, if you will— will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. And this judgment really, I believe, is taking place on a daily basis. I know that there's coming a day, uh, and I won't get into it, but uh, the scriptures refer to the Bema seed of Christ, the, the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be judged not whether we're worthy of heaven or not, but whether we, re- we receive rewards from him or not. But I also believe that this judgment is taking place on a daily basis and uh, will culminate when we face him uh, upon his return. And so the passage that we read is interesting. It shows a couple of things. It shows that we work together. We're fellow laborers. We are in this thing together and we can't do it on our own, but our rewards are given to us as individuals. And uh, on top of that, we are partners with God in his work. Um, So this is not talking about, this reward system is not talking about um, our salvation. It's talking about, uh, or not works for salvation or get us saved. It's talking about what flows from us because he has saved us. And the foundation of that, obviously and clearly, is going to be and can only be Jesus Christ. And then we get to choose which metals we're going to use. Are we going to use gold, silver, jewels, or are we going to use wood, hay, or straw? So the concept is, is the believer that works together with others in partnership with the Holy Spirit and uses Jesus as his only foundation and uses eternal materials, quote-unquote, the jewels, the, the, the gold and the, the silver that pass the fire will receive eternal rewards. And the believer who works as a lone ranger in his own strength using a different foundation and uses temporal materials like wood wood, wood, wood straw, and hay will not pass the fire test, but will suffer great loss. Again, not loss of salvation, but loss of rewards. Um, they'll miss out on it. John, First John 2.28 says it this way, that there will be some that will shrink back from God in shame when he returns, because they know that they will stand before him empty-handed. I, I read one time of a minister who was sharing a story that sat down at the the bedside of a dying friend and as they talked of heaven, tears began to feel his friend fill his friend's eyes and the young minister thought his friend was afraid to die and so he began to uh, use attempt to speak words of encouragement and his friend stopped him and said, "I'm not afraid to die and I'm not ashamed to die but then he went on to say that you know he had been born again he'd lived his, but he had lived his life for himself instead of being totally sold out for Christ. And now he was meeting Jesus empty-handed. And uh, his life loomed up before him as wood, hay, and straw. And the fire, uh, he, was, he was saved. He was getting ready to go to heaven, but he was going empty-handed. And uh, he was unhappy about that. God doesn't want us. Uh, I've been saying recently in our church that we have made salvation... A heaven or hell issue instead of a life and death issue and uh, I believe that salvation is a life issue and once we're saved that's when our eternal life starts uh, it's not what it's going to be but we're getting the uh, well the Bible uses we're getting our inheritance we're getting just a little bit we're getting a glimpse of what it's going to be But our life is full right now if we allow it to, and it's eternal and everlasting right now if we allow him to lead and guide us. And so I believe that there are five crowns of eternal rewards that I'm going to mention tonight. The crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, and the crown of glory, which is also known as the pastor's crown. And the first one that I want to mention tonight, this first reward is the crown of life. And I believe that the crown of life is available for anybody who will fully devote themselves to Jesus Christ. James 1, verses 12 to 14 says it this way, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see, this crown, the crown of life, is given to those who love God and are devoted to them, devoted to Him in every possible area of their lives. This is not just a whole hum, "I love You, Jesus, uh, thank You for my food" kind of love or devotion. Uh, this is an—you can't love Him inwardly and not express Him outwardly and receive the crown of life. We must be completely devoted to God. It's the type of love that loves the Lord more than we love our own life. The scripture says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's this type of love that will lead us to take up our cross and follow him. It will lead us to set aside everything and everyone so that God can be glorified in us. The crown of life, or some people have labeled it the lover's crown, the crown of life is given to the believer who loves Jesus Christ more than his own life. Mark said it this way in Mark chapter 8 verse 35. He said, "For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it." It is like that start of a relationship that that might lead to marriage and when you start going out together you begin to put aside some of the things that hinder you from being with that person you adjust your schedule you cancel this you cancel that so that you can spend that time you love them so much that you're willing to change things to fit into that person's life and you want to please them and do all that you can for them because uh, their love for you and your love for them compels you to do so And uh, I'd like to think that if I was sick and needed a kidney, my wife would be willing to give me one of her. I would hope so, maybe. I don't know. No, I'm just teasing. But her love compels her to do so as my love would compel me to do so as well. And uh, God's love compels us to action. Paul told the Corinthian church that for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It is this type of love for Jesus that we will receive the crown of life. We, we must be very careful, therefore, um, where we focus our love. Our love, or even our family, uh, we've often said it in our household, uh, for us the priorities is God, spouse, children, uh, family, and church. And uh, then all of the other things. Um, But God has always got to be number one. I cannot place my wife and I cannot place my children before I have my love for God. Our our family can sometimes become so unbalanced because we're focusing on the needs of the family and what we want for them and what we want from them. And we pour so much of our life into them and we let them set our calendars that our love for God is put aside. We become so busy in trying to love our family, that we forget to love God. And uh, if the, the flip side is, however, and the more biblical and godly approach, is if our whole life is focused on God and loving Him, then our desire to look after our family will then be covered by God's love in us. And I would rather have His love flowing through me to my family than my love without God flowing to my family. Bible says in matthew six thirty three if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness uh we all the other things will be taken care of'll be added to us. and see as we seek the first the kingdom of God, what we what's that really is, is saying is we are putting loving God first in everything that we do, and when we do that, we will overcome and we will receive the crown of life. Now we need to devote ourselves completely to him. That word devote has all kinds of implications. Dedication, giving over, releasing to God, offering, applying, lavishing, or heaping up. These are all words that mean devote. It is a complete surrendering of our life to Him in love. It shouldn't be something that we have to stir up because the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts and it's something that we want to desire to do. Unfortunately, I think there are going to be people in heaven who, that miss out on this crown of life because they are so consumed with what they have at their disposal here on earth. Whether it be the golf course, whether it be the fishing pond, whether it be the cabin, whether it be the camper, whether it be the books, whatever that hobby might be, whatever that identity or that, that, that uh, well, that identity, but whatever that uh, hobby or that uh, pastime Uh, consumes our minds and our understanding and our finance, all of those things hinder us from fully devoting ourselves to the Lord. And unfortunately, I believe that there are people that are missing the point because if they would just love him with everything, all the other things. Is it wrong to have a cabin? Is it wrong to have nice cars, nice homes? Is it wrong to go fishing? No, none of those things are wrong as long as they're in the proper priority place. And uh, I, I would say that God needs to be number one, and it needs to be expressed through your life. The second reward or the second crown that I want to talk to you tonight about is what the Scriptures refer to as the incorruptible crown. And the incorruptible crown is for those who lived uh, a disciplined Christian life. Paul writes in First Corinthians nine twenty four to twenty seven. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I was raised in the home of an Olympian. My dad was an Olympic athlete in nineteen seventy two in Sapporo, Japan, where he was uh on the ice hockey team and won a silver medal. And so the when the Olympic Games come up, whether it be the winter or the summer Olympics, uh my eyes tend to glue towards them. I enjoy them. And it's especially moving when one of our athletes plays first and we get to hear the anthem played as Uh, They stand on that podium, and it's moving to see the emotion of all the athletes uh, as the song is played because they have trained, and they have worked, and they have suffered to represent their country uh, in, in the athletic prowess that they are a part of, and tears begin to flow. Well, Paul describes life in Corinthians that we just read as a race, and there is a prize at the end. It is the incorruptible, imperishable crown. And God has it for those that will live a disciplined life. It's more important and significant than the gold medal at the Olympics. You see, here's something that you have to understand. This reward, uh, the incorruptible crown, is er, is not for spectators. It's only for competitors. You can't sit on the sidelines and expect to receive this crown. Everyone who competes, however, everyone who runs, however, has the opportunity to receive this crown, this incorruptible crown. This crown is not for people sitting in the stands. Paul goes to say that even as competitors, there are certain characteristics that are required in this. First of all, we need to run not with uncertainty, or the opposite is to run with certainty. Uh, Another translation uses the phrase with purpose or straight for the goal. Intent on winning with a clear identified path. Uh, we can't be running or fighting as one that beats the air. It has reference to you know, playing around, wasting punches, shadow boxing, all imaginary battles but not real. All talk but no action. Um, there are a lot of experts really in the stands that have never gotten into the ring of competition and they they try to do what's called, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, trying to dictate what or think what they would have done better, and the problem is, is uh, that's all you're doing is when you're criticizing and saying this, 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 and this, and have never gotten in to the battle, if you will, or or the sport, or the race. You really are just beating the air, um, and and we all have to get into the race, and then the last thing there, we have to discipline our bodies. This is not self-physical mutilation or, or chastising. Paul is talking about discipline. He's talking about controlling and mastering what the Bible refers to as our flesh. That has to do with submitting our will, submitting our emotions, our lusts, our desires, so that they become assets instead of liabilities towards the incorruptible crown. Hebrews twelve one and 2 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The incorruptible crown is for those who take Christianity or the life of Christ seriously, And they discipline, they're so serious about their walk with the Lord that they discipline the other areas of their lives to ensure that they do not miss this opportunity to serve God. It's an incorruptible crown. So we have the crown of life and we have the incorruptible crown. The third one tonight is the crown of rejoicing. And uh, I believe that this crown is for those who have directed other people to a relationship with the Lord. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2:17, "But we brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you even I Paul once and again but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy." Or let me just paraphrase this last part of that verse. You being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming is my crown of rejoicing. The greatest work that you could ever be privileged to do for the Lord is to influence somebody to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no greater joy. I even think that I'm more joyful when I see somebody that I've ministered to receive from God than I remember when i received from god i I know it's probably close but there's just something about it Um, the degree of our joy in heaven the scripture is trying to tell us will be determined by the souls that we have had a part in bringing to christ Uh, paul is saying in the scripture that we read that his hope joy and crown of rejoicing is those that are serving god when the trumpet sounds and he had a part in them doing so you've ever directed somebody to the Lord and you know, you've experienced what some of that joy is already but the joy is just going to just be magnified and amplified when you receive the crown of rejoicing in heaven and uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, John four thirty six says it this way and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And we know that the Bible says that when one person comes to know God, there's great rejo- rejoicing in heaven in Luke uh, 15 10. But haven't you ever felt like you want to be there when the shouting starts and the rejoicing starts? Well, one day we will. And when we receive that crown of rejoicing, we'll begin to celebrate with the sower and the reaper and the person who has come to know the Lord. And it's going to take a long time. And there will be people celebrating with us because they sowed into our lives. And we will be celebrating with others because we sowed into their lives and so on and so on and so on. But there's going to be some rejoicing going on. And so I believe this. I believe there are three ways that you and I can receive this crown. I believe, first of all, the crown of rejoicing comes if we live our lives so that others may see Christ in us. It's our behavior it's how we respond to situations. It's how we respond to negativity in our lives, sometimes even the concept of tragedy and how we deal with it. How, what's your life speaking? When people don't hear you, but they see you, when they watch you, what are they seeing? Are they seeing a pathway to something greater than you? Or are they seeing selfishness and egotism what, what, what is it that we are displaying in our lives, uh, but if we can display Christ and help them to see Christ in us? The second aspect comes with what we say, not only how we act, but what we say. And we must speak that others may know of Christ and his great love for them. There comes a time where just living for him isn't enough, that God puts somebody in our pathway and an opportunity rises for us just to share with somebody who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. You can't make the plant grow, but you can plant the seed and or water the soil that it's in. And so, so first of all is our action. Second of all is our words. And then the third one is one that most people don't like to talk about, but it is our finances. We must give so that others may know Christ. Uh, It is the giving of the people of God faithfully that allow churches all around the world to continue to minister and to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm so thankful to be about part of a church who loves to tithe and give. And uh, because of that tithing and giving, uh, we are expressing in the spirit realm, we want you to work, God. We want to touch people's lives. And we have been able to minister to and preach to and teach to all different kinds of people simply because our church has been willing to be givers. So my encourage to you today is do whatever you have to do to not miss out on the crown of rejoicing. Live your life in such a way that it reflects Jesus. Speak in such a way that it reflects the voice of the Lord. Give in such a way that it reflects what Christ gave to you. And just see what kind of a what kind of a crown of rejoicing is ready for you when that day comes. The fourth crown that I want to talk to you about tonight—we're just about done. But the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness, is for those who lived with determined faith in Christ. They were those that endured, those that stood the test of time. The elder that that. Uh, just continued through pain, suffering, tragedy to, to serve God. Uh, Paul says it into his letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, he says, For I for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, with the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only but unto all them that also love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. You see, the crown of righteousness is a reward for those who lived by determined faith and lived full and died empty. I like that. They lived full and died empty. I want to get to the Lord, Terry. I want to get to the place where when it's my time to say goodbye to this world and hello to my heavenly home, I want to do so with empty hands because I've expended all of the resources that God has given me in trying to touch somebody else's life. The crown of righteousness is what i'm what i what I'd like to have. you see these this crown is given to those who have given their all when the final horn sounds, and there are no what ifs could haves no regrets, they're just totally spent. they've used the abundant life that Christ gave them. And they gave it uh, uh, that that abundant life away to others. This reward is for those who have poured out their life as an offering to God. They've given their whole life to the service of the Lord. A, a preacher by the name of C.T. Studd said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And uh, Jim Elliott said this. Jim Elliott was a missionary to South America who was killed by the very native people that he was trying to help this is what he said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose wherever you are be all there live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God those are words of determined faith uh, Paul said it again he, he fought the good fight living and serving Jesus is not for cowards it's not for cowards it's we are Jesus put it well Jesus said it this way in this life, you're going to have tribulations, but have no fear. I've overcome the world. And if they hate me, they've, they've if they hate you, they've hated me first. And so we are experiencing in these days a certain amount of hatred that makes it difficult for us to live for God. But living for God is not for cowards. It's for men and women of courage and faith, people like David who, When faced with Goliath, a giant, didn't run away from him, but ran toward him. You just don't walk in and possess the promised land. You have to fight for it. You have to be strong and very courageous, like Joshua and the people of Israel will. And we have to finish the race. The reward is for finishers only. You won't receive this reward if you haven't expended everything in your life. Over the years, it's amazing how many people with faith have not finished the things in their life. They start well and they run for a while, but then there's always a reason for not crossing the finish line. I love watching people who are not as good as most and yet in there and they do their best and they finished. You see, the race is not to the swift, is what Scripture says. It's a long race of life. And it's not about who gets there first. It's about who makes sure to get there, period. And, uh And I believe God is calling us to be just like that. Uh, Pastor uh, T.D. Jakes once stated this, I'm not interested in your praise when God comes through for you. I'm interested in your praise when he doesn't. When the person doesn't get healed, the finance doesn't come through, when people don't like what you did and said, when you lose your job or you can't pay the rent, faith is praising God like Paul and Silas when you're still in the prison. It's not about what you're going through. It's about who you're going through it all with. And if you're going through it all with him, you can still rejoice and be right. Jesus asked this question in Luke 18, verse 8. He said, When I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find who have faith? Romans 4:18: Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. You see, when God promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, Abraham believed him, even though such a promise was seemingly uh, impossible, utterly impossible, in fact. And and so um, Abraham's faith, though, did not weaken. He endured. He did not waver. His faith grew stronger. And even though he was too old to really be a father due to his faith, it was credited to him for righteousness And he became a father in old age. You see, we were made righteous by faith and we will receive a crown of righteousness for living that determined faith. The more I endure. One person said it this way. Do you want to know how you're going in the right direction towards God? It's always uphill. And it's always uphill not because Jesus tries to make it difficult for us. It's always uphill because it's the opposite direction of what the world is going The world is going down quicker than anything anyone can imagine. And so the road up has always got more effort involved in it. And I want to separate myself as much as I can from the world that's crashing around us and holding on to the hand of Jesus so that I can receive that crown of righteousness. And this last crown I want to mention tonight is the crown of glory. A lot of theologians call this the pastor's crown. It's for those dedicated to supporting God's dedicated men and women. 1 Peter 5, 1-4 says this, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And someone may say, well, I'm not a pastor, so this reward is not supposed to be given to me. It can't be given to me. Well, let me show you how you can receive the crown of glory. Listen to Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they know they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And then Matthew 10, 40 and 41 says, Anyone who welcomes you is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. If you welcome a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will receive the same reward a prophet gets. And if you welcome good and godly people because of their godliness, you will be given a reward like theirs. So the crown of glory is given to a pastor who serves willingly not by compulsion however you can be given a reward you can you don't need to be a quote-unquote pastor to receive a pastor's crown you can receive one just like it when you give your pastoral leadership reason to serve joyfully and not with sorrow i can honestly tell you since we moved here in 2008 at christmas time uh has it always been easy no has there been pressure yes but I can honestly say that it has always been a joy of mine to serve the people of Spirit of Grace Church and those that are in the Coon Rapids area. By creating a church atmosphere and culture uh, that positive and joyful that uh, of serving and loving people, you begin to qualify for the pastor's crown. I say it this way, in church, I'm proud for a new person that comes into our church building I'm usually one of the last people they come to. The first people they come to is our greeters. And so each one of us, to a certain extent, have some role to play in the pastoral leadership of a church, whether it be a smile or a word. Uh, it, it just doesn't matter. It's all who serve the kingdom. Um, so we try to create a church atmosphere that that promotes the crown of glory, if you will, uh, We need to serve eagerly and not just for money. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that do this just for money. You can be given a reward like theirs when you financially support and meet the needs of your leader, though. Uh, Paul says it this way to Timothy. Church leaders who do their job well deserve to be paid twice as much, especially if they work hard at preaching and teaching. Uh, That's 1 Timothy 5.17. John Bevere, in his book called Undercover, he said this. If church members take care of their pastors and leaders who serve them, Businessmen and other members prosper and are blessed. They enjoys enjoy heaven's economy. I believe that as a member of a church supports the leaders of that church, both in finance, in prayer, in emotional support, um, that God sends the right people into their lives to make a difference. I've seen it too many times. And uh, I don't, teach or say this because i'm looking for anything from anybody what i'm teaching or saying this is so that you can receive the crown of glory as well because when you partner with the leadership of your church you are partnering with what god has set up for us you see it's a challenge to each one of us as we listen this evening and that is God is wanting to give us many crowns and then be able to dwell in the blessings of those rewards. The crown of life for those who devoted themselves to Jesus. The incorruptible crown for those who are living disciplined lives for Jesus. The crown of rejoicing for those who directed people to come to Jesus. The crown of righteousness for those who had determined faith that were, were going to make it, they were going to endure. And then the crown of glory for those that dedicated their life to supporting the leadership that God has established. I don't believe anybody here tonight wants their life to be a waste. And I know we don't want to just scrap by until we can just barely cross over glory. We want to live full, empty, or full lives and die empty. We don't want to disappoint Jesus. We don't want to be like the young man that we talked about earlier at the beginning, who was not afraid to die because he knew he was going to heaven, but he was ashamed to die because he had lived for himself and had to meet the Lord empty-handed. We need to surrender ourselves afresh to him tonight. We need to give him our lives again as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him, so that we can stand before God on that great day unashamed, and present to him our crowns. I recently heard a testimony, well, recently, a couple years now, I heard a testimony of an Olympic athlete who had won five gold medals several years back. And a friend went to visit him one day uh, at his house, and he was expecting to see all of those medals displayed in some kind of a display case or something, but he couldn't see any of them. And so he asked him where he kept his medals, and the Olympian said, well, I didn't keep any of them. He went on to say, the first one I gave to my mom because without her I wouldn't have made it. The I gave one to my younger brother for his support and encouraged me and to see me through. I gave one to my coach. He trained me and believed in me and so on. He gave them all away. And uh, I thought to myself, I wonder if I could ever do that. Uh, if I had worked so hard for those medals, would I, I? I'm sure I'd want to keep something for myself. And so he must have been a really great person to be able to do that. But then God challenged me. This was years ago. God challenged me with this. He brought a scripture to my mind in in the book of Revelation. It says, The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that lived forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. When the time comes in glory and I've received my crowns, will I be willing to give them back to him? My old human nature naturally really gets in the way as my first thought was, Well, I've worked so hard for this, Lord. The stress, the pressure, the giving up financial gain. I did all of this, Lord, and I don't want to give up my crown, but then it hit me. Without him, I can do nothing. Even now, there's nothing I can do that if, if I don't have Jesus. And if I'm thinking that way, then I'm doing things in my own strength anyhow, and for my own gratification, and not for his glory and honor. And so I repented right there on the spot and Once again, turn my focus to Jesus and realize that my whole life is his anyway. What I do is in his strength, and none of the glory should be given to me anyway. With God's grace, I will run to his throne, and the crowns that I am given, I will throw at his feet, because it's all through him, for him, and to him that I live. This is really the truth of the whole issue. In order to receive rewards in heaven, we have to put, ourselves, put aside ourselves completely. This thing called the kingdom of God is nothing about us. And if we can grasp this one truth that our whole life, everything that we do, every day that we live, every minute that we breathe is all about Jesus and all for Jesus, my friend, you're going to reap all kinds of crowns. And uh, it's my desire that when we gather there together, that the crown that you have uh, attained will just be such a blessing to you, you won't be able to contain it. Amen. I look forward to seeing Jesus. And I look forward to the rewards that he has for us. So I challenge you this week. Will you uh, take the time? to concentrate and focus on these crowns and begin to fully devote yourself to Christ in order to receive the crown of life. To live disciplined lives. That doesn't mean perfect lives. It just means discipline. When you make a mistake, you apologize to them and you move on. When Will you direct people to Jesus and receive the crown of rejoicing? Will you be determined to walk through this thing no matter what? And then last but not... Least, will you support your leaders and become an active member of reaching people that are looking for Jesus? And if so, all of these crowns are available to you. I pray that God would receive your offer of service, that he would bless it, that he would sanctify it, that he would mix it up with his grace and give it back to you in power so that one day... A crown will be placed upon your head that you can walk and kneel before him and cast it at his feet in joy and in strength. In Jesus' name, should the Lord Terry will see you back here on Sunday. Otherwise, we'll see you in glory. Let's just pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your mercy to us. We thank you for this night. Lord, I pray that something that was said here tonight would ring strong in somebody's heart and that we would attain the crowns that you've given us. We'll love you forever and praise in your holy name in the name of Jesus.